0: Hello, and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Current events remind me of two stories from ancient China. I will tell you what those stories are, and you can decide for yourself why the news reminds me of them. So, before we get started today, I thought... We will just do a little bit of shameless self-promotion because uh, Alice, as oh, you know... Are you talking about our article You on and the I, Free yes. Press. We, we uh, just uh, this week uh, published an article in the Hong Kong Free Press, which is a, an excellent English-language paper based in Hong Kong uh, reporting from the island of Qingmen, or Jingmen, which is controlled by Taiwan, administered by Taiwan, but is right off the coast of mainland China and was for a long time. Well, I guess it still is in a way, uh, the front line between mm. the, between the two sides. So, uh, the article is called Caught Between Politics and the Pandemic. A few kilometers from China, Taiwan's Kingman Island rethinks its economy. And I encourage all of you to look it up and read it and, uh, so on and so forth. All right, okay, so got that self-promotion out of the way. Um, For today's podcast, um, well, listen, on this podcast in general, we try not to get political, as you know. Uh, We try to steer clear of contemporary political debates and disagreements, of which, of course, there are many. Most of them, intractable ones, so I, I try not, we try not to get into them too much. And that actually can be kind of tricky, because this podcast is, after all, focused on history. And history... Is always political. Yeah. It inherently carries some degree of political implications. Um, and we're focused on Chinese history, no less. And China is a great topic of controversy, Internationally, nowadays, right? So, so um, I want to say that it's less of a problem with ancient history. The further back in time you would think, the further back in time we go, um, the less the historical events directly relate to mm. contemporary issues. You'd think, but even that's not really quite true um, when it comes to China, right? I mean, of course, if we talk about World War Two, World War Two history, or the Chinese Civil War which ended in 1949, of course, those topics uh, bear directly on today's events, mm-hmm. right? Today's today's politics. But even something like um, Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor, on whom we did a couple of episodes, right? Even someone like him, I mean, he died in 210 BC, but even he still has a lot of political implications today, Right. Do you see him as a great tyrant, or do you mm. see him as the great unifier, mm. right, who unifies China and build the first empire? It's just true, that the way we tell history in general, and then reveal I, political stance. Right, exactly. Right. There is no objective observer mm. per se, right? So, okay, so with that in mind, I want to mention two events in the news recently that reminded me of um, two stories from ancient Chinese history, both coincidentally having to do with horses. Both of the ancient stories have to do with horses, not the the modern events. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to tell you briefly the two news items, then I'm going to tell you. Uh, about the, the, two, the two historic episodes, okay? And since we try not to be political, I'll leave it up to you to decide, I'll leave it, leave it up to you, dear listener, to decide what the connections are between the ancient and the contemporary. All right, so the first news story, the first news story is this, the United States this week will be hosting what they call a Summit for Democracy for, actually, I think, a majority of the countries in the world. But pointedly, you know who's not invited? China? That's right. (laughs) The People's Republic of China is not invited. So it seems that not being invited has generated a great deal of butthurt (laughs) up in Beijing. Uh, So the PRC has announced that it's hosting its own forum, its own its own counter event called the International Democracy Forum, and in uh, in anticipation of the event, the PRC government has issued a white paper called Chinese uh, uh, Chinese Democracy That Works, <laughs> um, and uh, the white paper basically argues that uh, that uh, not only is the PRC actually a democracy, it's It's a form of democracy that's superior to Western so-called democracies, uh, which focus on silly little things like one person, one vote. Mm. Um, (laughs) And uh, the uh, the PRC government uh, mouthpiece, the Global Times. Mm. I know you're familiar with them, Mm -hmm. right? The English language Global Times uh, summarized summarized the white paper as saying, and I quote. Under the leadership of the CPC, the the Communist Party of China, China has achieved a whole process, people's democracy, with results-oriented democracy, procedural democracy with substantive democracy, direct democracy with indirect democracy, and people's democracy with the will of the state. Don't get it. Right. I will not try to interpret that. But... Um and at this point I think we, I think it's appropriate to drop a footnote to remind everyone that the PRC Constitution, in its own words, describes the PRC government as, quote, the people's democratic dictatorship led by the working class and based on the alliance of workers and peasants, which is in essence the dictatorship of the proletariat mm. right. So it's a democratic dictatorship okay. Got it? <laughs> Got it. You know what that is? You know what that yeah, is? First, yeah, of course, of course. course. Okay. Don't cut it there. But... All right, okay. So this is all quite interesting, really. Uh because in the past, uh Beijing more commonly took the position that China was not a democracy. And that was just fine. That was right and proper because democracy was dumb and didn't work. Look at America, right? Mm. Look at the Americans. It doesn't work. So now they seem to be doing the opposite. So no actually no we are a democracy you're not a democracy. We're like, we're better than you. We're like a better kind of democracy than you. Mm. Okay. So the second news item that's been, um, the second thing that's been going on in the news is the ongoing drama surrounding the tennis player, Peng Shui, right? Mm -hmm. The the female Chinese tennis star who accused a high-ranking CCP official of sexual assault. Mm. She has since disappeared from public view uh, with the exception of Some indirectly transmitted images for eating I guess, or emails messages um, Supposedly from her saying that she was fine mm. and everyone needs to stop criticizing China, mm. right? I'm sure you've you've been following that story as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I say um indirectly transmitted because we of course we haven't actually seen her speak for herself. Mm. Right. We see like, you know, so and so person who is affiliated with the government saying, Oh, I saw her last night, she's doing great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh yeah, she's she's doing great. She's free to go anywhere she wants. Yeah, nobody's yeah, you know. Um so um obviously a lot of people outside of China do not find these messages and images to be very convincing. And the the Women's Tennis Association has uh, has announced the cancellation of all, all tournaments that were supposed to be held in China, mm. right? Um, okay, so, now we're on to the history now. What do these things remind me of? So the first thing is, a, is something called a white horse is not a horse. bai ma, Okay, it's a it's a philosophical argument. Okay, so it's so it's a it's a it's a philosophical argument from a from uh, well, there's the story too, of course, but it's basically um, uh, we're we're back in the Warring States period. We've done a number of episodes already uh, relating to the Warring States period. So we're talking about the third century BC. And just to remind everyone, the Warring States period was a time when China was divided into seven rival kingdoms. And it was a time of intellectual ferment when many thinkers, intellectuals, uh, could sort of travel among the seven kingdoms and offer their skills to the different kings and and lords. And um, they, they argued their views on politics and philosophy Um, In front of of those kings and lords So it was like a very interesting period And in the kingdom of Zhao One of the seven kingdoms There was one philosopher Named Long, Who put forward an argument That famously Or infamously Came to be known as A white horse is not a horse Okay Mm -hmm. So it goes like this basically The argument essentially boils down to this so a horse is the thing that carries the quality of being a horse. Okay. Okay. A horse is the thing that the qual- quality, carries the quality of horseness, Horsiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. A white horse. Uh, okay. And whiteness carries the quality of being white. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are just truism, obviously. A white horse. Is the thing that carries the quality of horsiness, horseness, and the quality of whiteness. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the qualitative content of a white horse is not identical to the qualitative content of a horse. Therefore, a white horse is not a horse. Mm-hmm. Do you follow that more or less? I'm not. I'm not convinced by the argument. <laughs> right, <laughs> because it's because it's it. Well, it it well. Obviously, runs counter to common sense, right? Uh, so, Long goes on to to say that well, the category of horse includes yellow horse, black horse, but of course, a white horse doesn't include yellow horse, black horse, so it doesn't map on. So the category of white, so, so it's not. It's not the same thing. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all, right, all right okay so a white horse is not a horse but that's that's the this famous famous argument in, you know bai ma fei ma in chinese if you say now had gong lived in ancient greece around the same time actually in ancient greece there were a lot of philosophers around the same time uh and had he lived in greece they would have called him a sophist mm. right Whence we get the english word sophistry right mm-hmm. the making of clever arguments that ultimately amount to not much more than word games or obfuscations, mm. right? So if you think about this argument from the point of view of a Venn diagram, you know, obviously the category of white horse is wholly included, is a wholly included subset of the larger category, horse. Mm. Right? So yellow horse, black horse, etc. are other wholly included subsets of the set horse. Mm -hmm. So, if the statement is, a white horse is not a horse, so if that statement, a white horse is not a horse, just means that the subset, white horse, is not identical to the larger set, horse, then obviously that is true. The argument sounds really strange, only because in natural human language, when we say something is something else, Mm -hmm. we can mean one of two different things, right? We can say, when we say A is B, we can mean that A is identical to B, Mm -hmm. or we can mean that A is a subset of B. Right? So when we say croissant is food, Mm -hmm. we don't mean that all foods are croissant. Mm -hmm. We mean that croissant is... (laughs) <laughs> we don't mean that the category croissant is identical to the category food. Nobody means that. We mean that croissant is a kind of food. Mm. It is a subset of the set You're right to, food. to choose the, the food uh, allegory. Like I mean, the, to, to, to choose food as, oh, as an different. example. I think you're right for that. <laughs> I know my the, audience. The, the, no, you no, know I know your right. audience. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> so, okay. So, so Gong Long's argument amounts to playing of this word game, right? Mm-hmm. Exploiting the ambiguity of the word is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally, just, it, the whole argument just rests on the word. Okay. It is can mean two different things, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So that's the story of a white horse is not a horse. The second story is known as uh, in Chinese called <laughs> which means to point at a stag or deer and call it a horse. <laughs> okay, I told you, for some reason, horse is the theme today. But so, um, I, I think we actually already touched on this story in our episode on the fall of the Qing Dynasty and the rise of the, the Han Dynasty that, that replaced it. So um, it goes like this. So um, after Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor, died in 2010 BC, as mentioned. His rather useless son became emperor Mm -hmm. and the true power at court uh, came to be the chancellor Mm. a man named Zhao Gao Mm. Okay, so Zhao Gao wanted to usurp the throne basically he wanted to take over Mm. Uh, but before he was going to initiate the coup he wanted to to check, he wanted to test his own power Mm to see if the other courtiers would follow him, or if they would be loyal to the emperor. Mm. So one day, Zhao Gao brought a stag or a deer. Like I said, the Chinese word lu doesn't Mm. distinguish between stag or deer. It could be one or the other. Anyway, so let's say stag. So he brought a stag to court, and he said to the emperor, your majesty, I bring you this horse as a gift. And the Emperor was like, he looks at the stag, he looks at Doggo, and he's like, uh, Chancellor, I think there's been some mistake. Uh, this is clearly a stag. Mm-hmm. And Doggo is like, uh, No, no, it's, it's, it's a horse, it's a horse. The Emperor's like, Am I, you know, am I crazy? <laughs> this, is, this is a stag. And Doggo turns to the other courtiers. He says, All right, what do you guys think? Everyone. Everyone, what do you think? Is this a horse or is this a stag? And everyone could see, obviously, that it was a stag. But they were all terrified of Zhao So one by one, they said, "Uh, uh, Yeah, it, it looks like a horse to me, your majesty. It looks like a horse. Yeah, I think it's a horse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only a small number of the courtiers dared to tell the truth and said it was a stag. Mm. And Zhao Gao was taking down their names. Uh-huh. And then they got killed. And then he promptly murdered them. Yeah. He killed everyone who said it was a stag. And then soon, soon after that, he killed the emperor. So, yeah. that (laughs) um so you know it's funny because um in our in our time for unfortunate reasons george orwell gets quoted a lot uh in particular this line from his novel 1984 Mm -hmm. the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears it was their final most essential command Mm. This gets quoted a lot nowadays for various reasons. But, you know, that was Orwell writing in the mid-20th century. Mm. But actually, since the end of the 3rd century BC, right, since ancient times, since the first empire, the Chinese have understood that that is what true power is. Mm. The power to compel other people to deny what is obviously true, right? To reject the evidence of their own eyes. So that's the story of pointing at a stag and calling it a horse. All right, I'll leave it up to you, dear listeners, to decide why I have been reminded of these tales from ancient China. This has been MODG, thank you for listening.